Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument because musicians are so cool. Back in February, I recorded a live episode at the Gang Gang Twang Festival in Canberra, which featured David McGarrity and Samuel Vincent, otherwise known as Tyrone and Leslie. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to release that episode because we had some issues with the sound quality. But I recently caught up with David at his home in Brisbane to have a chat. Now, as my regular listeners know, I normally ask my guests to perform their music live during the interview, but because Samuel couldn't make it, this time we've gone with some pre-recorded songs instead. If you would like to hear David and Samuel perform some live songs, I released a bonus episode with the better bits of that live interview back in July, which featured two of their songs. Because it's the new black. Ukulele player, introduce yourself. My name is David McGarrity and I am one half of ukulele and double bass duo Tyrone and Leslie. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again. Uh, we did do this once before in Canberra back in February, I think, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was really good. It was in front of a live audience and, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It's mm. just a shame that my recording didn't work well enough for me to use it. Mm. Um, so you're here on your own today. Um, mm. Samuel couldn't make it, mm-hmm. which is a shame, but that's all right. I'm happy one of you is fine. Yeah, so he apologises. <laughs> he has a, a, a rehearsal for another band that he's in. So oh, He's mm. just a, such a social butterfly, isn't yep. he? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, at, at, he's, uh, well, basically, he's a social butterfly. Hmm. Right, so yes, yeah, so I'm up here in Brisbane mm-hmm. um, to go to Spruik Ukulele Festival, mm-hmm. and so while I'm here, because so you, you won't be doing it doing Spruik because you have your own thing this weekend. Yes, I know it's uh, it's a really busy time in Brisbane in spring. There's lots of festivals on, so there's Spruik, the Brisbane Ukulele Musician Society's uh, festival, and next week um, Sam and I are taking Tyrone and Leslie to the Brisbane Festival. We have our show Tyrone and Leslie in a spot that opens for a short season at the Brisbane Festival, which is really exciting for us, but also a really, really busy time. Mm. So is the Brisbane, not being a Brisbane person, mm. the Brisbane Festival is a, is a thing? Yes, it is a thing. It's a yearly event and uh, it's huge. So, yeah, it's a great thing for us to be part of because we've created this show called Tyrone and Leslie in a Spot, which many people who've seen Tyrone and Leslie perform would have seen us on the music stage. This is a more theatricalised version of what we do, which involves a bit of what Tyrone and Leslie think are special effects. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they start playing. There's um, there's quite a lot of video effects in the work. So it really takes Tyrone and Leslie to another dimension. So that's kind of fun, but also it means that there's a level of rehearsal to it that involves more than just getting the songs right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good too. And also you're taking, I guess, t- taking ukulele mainstream because it's not a ukulele thing it's a no. it's a general festival yeah which is nice yeah that's an aspiration that's running underneath it just yeah. to, to mainstream the ukulele yeah well look i'm, I'm all for that yeah. totally for that yeah <laughs> so tell me about your ukulele then what made you decide to pick up a ukulele okay um uh, my background and my foreground really is in theater and drama and performance and i was working as a street performer um, with other people working for a company at a, at a time when there was a lot of street performance around in brisbane directly after Expo 88, um, where you could actually make a a living actually being a street performer. It wasn't my sole um, source of income at that time, but I I needed a musical instrument that was portable and also that had some sort of visual impact. So I found a cheap uke. It would cost me $2. (laughs) Even for a uke, that's cheap. It is cheap. It was missing a couple of uh, tuning pegs, so I I replaced them. And, um, yeah, I'd occasionally play that. Um really just for comic value and I found that I really liked 
the instrument and I ended up investing in a Bruco um, which was a huge investment for me at the time being a poor artist but it's, um, it certainly paid for itself. Um, I, I love that instrument. It was the first time I'd ever had uh, a ukulele that wasn't ukulele players listening will know that a lot of them are kind of junk really they're nice to, to muck around with but they're not really musical instruments yeah. and the Bruco was a lovely thing to start off with. The other thing too is I'm left-handed and uh, ukuleles um, being symmetrical that means you don't actually have to buy a left-handed ukulele you can mm. just swap the strings yeah. um, and yes well I'm a guitar player first and foremost yeah, I should so have that said is, that yeah, yeah I learned guitar, learned guitar when I was 16 for about six months and, and um, until I really discovered I had a, a pretty good musical ear and my guitar teacher taught me about uh, four chord songs and then once he did that and once I realized I had, a, I had an ear I was off just kind of playing guitar whenever I could and um, at 16 I, I got my first job as a guitar player and um, wow. um, yeah so I've had a long a long history of, of, of sort of weaving theatre and music together and really the ukulele has been one of the threads that's that's run through that so a lot of the acting work that I got really early on professional work was as an actor musician and the ukulele was part of uh, that sort of suite of things that I could bring to a theatrical show. Mm. Um, so Tyrone and Leslie when did that happen? Okay um, well I was playing in a band called The Goodbye Notes which is sort of acoustic pop really with the female vocalist and Sam was in a jazz band with the vocalist from my band Barbara Fordham and we were recording an album in around about 1999 and I thought it'd be nice if there was a double bass solo on this particular song and she said I know just the guy so Samuel came in and uh, played this beautiful bass solo over this song and I went oh that's wonderful and I really loved watching him as at work as well as listening to him play in the studio and then I had an idea for a theatre show for children. I make theatre for children, among other things, um, which involved a ukulele and a double bass and a gorilla. And so I was sort of prototyping this and idea. all shows have to have a gorilla. I think it's important. Well, actually, it was a, a man in a gorilla suit, and the gorilla suit had a tiara on. That's um, another story, really. But um, I said... Because I really... It was a, the show was around uh, the, sort of the idea of bullying and power, a comedy obviously but I thought hilarious subject yeah I thought um, it would be good to to use the sizes of the instruments the ukulele and the double bass to sort of explore that idea musically rather than through text and um, I asked Sam if he would come along and do a brief prototype version of the show which was mainly kind of cobbled together out of songs from the 1930s and interstitial text and the actions of the gorilla and he said yep yeah, I will work with you on that show David as long as you don't make me act <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting provocation, actually, um, because um, he's actually a, a fantastic performer. I love just watching musicians do what they do, and Sam is one of the best musicians I know. Um, so as a playwright and as a performer, it made me think about how can we create a, a frame for us that enables Sam to do what he does best and myself to do what I do best and the guy in the gorilla suit, Peter Costa, to do what he does best. <laughs> and he had no instrument, the guy in the gorilla suit? No, no, he was an excellent dancer. Though. <laughs> <laughs> You've got everything, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> and so that show premiered at Out of the Box the next year. The prototype was kind of picked up. We performed it first in a tent and um, eventually the show ended up at the Sydney Opera House. Wow. Yeah, which is a, a bit of a sit up and take notice moment. For us, we were at the Sydney Opera House around at the same time as the first year of Australian Idol. So it was quite a busy, yeah. exciting time to be at that particular venue. 
And um, since that time, we spent about 10 years um, playing occasional gigs. Quite often I'd, um, I, I love finding old vintage slides at, at jumble sales and I kind of create shows which involve music and projection and I'd, I'd invite Sam along to do them. They're fairly independent or underground shows. And um, so, yeah, we just decided to keep on working together and around about 10 years into our partnership, um, we discovered that we we're a pretty good songwriting duo. And really, it's that that has been the most exciting uh, and most recent sort of phase of the duo, which has actually now been together for 10, 20 years, 20 years. So it's wow. our 20th year of being together. And so as well as being you know, a partnership that I really value in performance, now we've recorded five albums worth of original material. and That's a lot of albums, isn't it? It is, yeah. and created a number of different um, shows, um, both for the musical stage and for the theatrical stage, that essentially showcase that songwriting partnership in performance so yeah for us it's really been driven by songs it's when when the next songs are coming that's that's um it's such a beautiful thing a beautiful partnership to be part of yeah mm. so speaking of songs this is, this is where normally i would ask you to play something but perhaps you would like to introduce a song which i will then sneakily slot in oh okay so you're asking me to, to... i'm asking you to pick one oh, right. <laughs> i know it's like choosing one of your children isn't it which one you like the best Oh, uh, well, uh, hmm. yes, the, the songs and children analogy is an interesting one. I do think they're, they're quite different propositions. But they do go off into the world and find their own way, don't yeah, they? Yeah, and they're both created by you. Probably at this stage, probably what I would introduce, if you were asking me to hypothetically introduce a song, it would be um, I'm Gonna Dream, which is a song from our last album, uh, which we called Optimism, which Ukulele Hunt said was the ukulele recording of the year which well, is it must be true yeah that was very exciting for us um, <laughs> that's pretty pretty good cool, isn't it and I there's, think, there's quite a few to choose from i would think yeah the, I, I was really thrilled by that actually um and there's some backing vocalists on the uh, on this particular song who are the pockets who you'll see at spruik festival soon which are and samuel also plays in the pockets so they're doing some backing vocals so this is i'm gonna dream by tyron and leslie when night leans against the window And lightless sky makes no shadow And gloom blooms in your room Know that soon The start of each day is one bright ray Till the light bulb's a sunbeam I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream the sound of rain Against that pain Till the gutter's but a sparkling stream I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream the lightest part Of a weightless heart when they've flown, we can't forget the future's just a present that we haven't opened yet. Morning soon, sun meets moon, till the drops on the leaves all gleam. I'm gonna dream, I'm gonna dream. Can't be as dark as it seems 
dark as it seems I'm gonna dream The night can't be as dark as it seems As dark as it seems I'm gonna dream The night can't be as dark as it seems as it seems I'm gonna dream The night Can't be as dark as it seems As dark as it seems I'm gonna dream And the brightest part Of a brilliant star On the leaves all gleam I'm gonna dream 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 Well that was fantastic, thank you <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, it was easy because we recorded it <laughs> I should do them all this way Yeah I think that's the first time I've let anyone get away with that, but that's fine. Well, um, well, because you did actually play some songs in, in Canberra when I. You know, we did. The did other thing great. we were experimenting with with the album Optimism was to see how much of the album we could, we could record completely live in the studio, and um, backing tracks were often recorded live, and some instrumentals were recorded totally live. So, and um, it was a really interesting experiment in bringing quite old fashioned stagecraft into the recording studio. And the backing vocalists, the pockets, they, they recorded their parts live as well. Too. Oh, that's so, nice, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't really happen much anymore. Mm. But it, yeah, the, the aspiration was for the whole album to be recorded like that. Uh, sort of a return to our first album in a way. But as it was, we did almost everything in between from completely live to almost uh, completely confected in the studio. So, yeah. So do you do it, aside from Tyrone and Leslie, mm-hmm. do you do other, other ukulele playing elsewhere? I have used the ukulele, uh, I've weaponised it, as it were, uh, for a couple of different projects. I've recorded a, a soundtrack for a theatre show using uh, the ukulele and electronica. It was a show, a non-verbal show, based in a picture book that I had written called The Empty City, and I adapted that for the, for the stage and also uh, recorded the soundtrack, which is possibly biting off a little bit more than I could chew. And so that's been released under my own name, David McGarrity. And, um, yeah, I, I, I do use the instrument in my soundtrack work as well to, for theatre shows mainly. So, yeah, that's where else I play the ukulele. Sometimes, uh, because my day job is at a university teaching in a drama degree, and sometimes I do use it in lectures to sort of make a point or sort of uh, change things up a little bit. <laughs> well, at least it wakes, wakes them up, doesn't it, if they're all sitting there drowsing? Yeah, well, it's... it's <laughs> I hope I hope it's usually uh, it's not just showing off. It's usually to make some kind of point. I hope you'd have to talk to some of my students to see whether that's true or not. <laughs> so yeah, that's where also I use the ukulele. But I mean, like a lot of people, I use the ukulele in my daily life as a place to sort of meditate and relax. And unlike other instruments, 
might be different with the piano, I'm not sure, but you can just walk past you. Well, I can't walk past the ukulele. You've got to pick it up and have a little play. And it's a really nice thing to engage with during the day. It, it's a, it doesn't demand much of you, the ukulele, I think, once you reach a certain point of, of playing. Yeah. And now I have a really beautiful instrument um, made, made by um, Bevan Galbraith. It's a Captain ukulele made out of recycled New Zealand timbers, which is my, the first instrument that's ever been made specifically for me. So it is actually a left-handed instrument, and that's the kind of instrument that I um, I really love to play. I've never had the money really to have to have a lot of expensive gear. I know there are a lot of ukulele fetishists out there who love chasing <laughs> the next very expensive investment. But uh, I, I did buy a very expensive ukulele earlier this year, so yes, guilty. Well, don't show me. I will. I, I'm not without envy, but it is a really, really beautiful instrument, so it can't, that can be actually hard to put down, especially when you've got a whole bunch of more important things you should be doing. <laughs> so yeah, I do use it elsewhere in my life, professionally and just for my own personal well-being. And it's actually, it occurred to me earlier when you were talking about the, the gorilla and the, and the size mm-hmm. thing. So you're quite a tall person I am. with a small ukulele. Mm-hmm. And then Samuel is a, a not as tall person mm. with a large instrument. Yeah. It's an interesting, um, there's a word for that, isn't there? Uh, yes, it's interesting uh, uh, contrast between, contrast between us. Do it. And, and actually, I mean, I don't walk around the world thinking how tall I am, but I did do a, a gig the other day just as myself with the pockets, and um, I looked across and couldn't see anything. And then I looked down, and <laughs> there they all were. So, yeah, I mean, there is something about um, the ukulele and its scale that really appeals to people. I, I did a workshop, I created a show called Backseat Drivers, which is a completely non verbal show. This is in around about 2000. I think it was the one that came before ukulele, Mikulele, that's right. And I used some iconic ukulele tracks on in the soundtrack for that show because the scenario of the show was two kids trapped in the backseat of a car on a very long journey. And uh, it was all done to the sounds of Elvis and Cliff Richard and some iconic ukulele tracks from uh, a, ver- a particular um, compilation called Legends of the Ukulele, which Jim Beloff put together. Some great tracks on that. So I was able to get the rights to include them in this theatre show. But anyway, I was working on doing a workshop with uh, some primary school kids to get their ideas about what they used, to, what they do in the backseat of a car to amuse themselves. And uh, I had a ukulele with me. And then at the end of the workshop with the kids, where they talked about their backseat behaviours, um, I opened up the ukulele case and pulled out the ukulele and they greeted the arrival of the ukulele with a round of applause and delight <laughs> as it should be yeah and there's not too many other instruments that will inspire that kind of um that's true if you brought a guitar out they would have said yeah that's a guitar yeah that's right and yeah. you know some people would say well it's because it's it's pint-sized it's kind of like they can, they can it's non-threatening it. isn't it yeah and this was this was before the ukulele was sort of really popularized in the school music curriculum and kind of kicked the recorder to one side so I suppose this is backtracking to your first question that you asked me which is why ukulele and there's something about what it does to audiences before you've even done anything with it that uh, makes it an appealing prospect as a musician performer Mm. I have to ask about the teeth Uh (laughs) my listeners will have to explain what that means well uh, Tyrone um, is a performance persona of mine who has quite prominent teeth, and those teeth are um, a, a, a prosthetic set of teeth that I wear, sort of as a mask, I suppose, to um, 
to give to give the the, the character the, the persona a bit of a lift I suppose so yeah I, I came across those teeth quite by accident which sounds a bit unusual I didn't find them in the street or anything <laughs> just tripped up a bit <laughs> no. but I was living in a, in a shared house at, at, the, at a time um, with someone whose brother was training to be a dental prosthetist who as part of his training needed to get mouldings and, and create teeth for people and he just asked if anybody would like some and I said yeah sure so he made me some teeth and uh, I'd occasionally wear them when I was doing those street theatre gigs which I referred to Yeah, I'm assuming those teeth that he made aren't the ones you would make for most people because they're not the most attractive of teeth no that's right um, I did I said you know don't make them um, look like a standard set of teeth do something interesting with them so it was his artistry really and so they're they're tailor made for my own mouth and moulded um, so in a way, it was sort of a bit of a shortcut to a kind of slightly bizarre charisma. <laughs> um, suddenly you put in the teeth and, and there you'd be, you know, you wouldn't have to, to work too hard to a certain extent. But really since then, those teeth have sort of released a certain kind of persona. It's a different version of me on the stage. I'm pretty clear about the fact that it's a performance persona. It's not a character. So Tyrone really doesn't have any backstory. He, he only lives on the stage. So, which is that's a pretty interesting prospect I think for audiences to consider because most people are used to sort of characters as it were like sort of Dame Edna Everidge or other people like yeah, that who yeah. have some sort of backstory she's a housewife from, from Mooney Pond so yeah. at an early point um, I thought well let's just make Tyrone only appear on the stage and those tensions between hmm, is it a character is it a persona is it a guy with some teeth is it David <laughs> I mean I'm interested in, in that kind of oscillation uh, of realities I suppose Almost sounds like I've got a PhD, which I do. And I, I did work it into my study. I have actually investigated persona quite deeply, okay. and I'm really interested right. in that sort of area, both theoretically and practically. But, but what it has done is enable me and Sam to go to places as performers and songwriters that we probably wouldn't have gone to if it was, in inverted commas, just David and Sam. So, you know, I, I might decide to sit down and write a, a, a love song, for someone I love or someone I, who I wished loved me and all of that's totally fine but it's a little harder to imagine Tyrone writing a song or being able to perform a song like that so then you kind of have to write songs that maybe they could potentially do yeah so that's quite an interesting proposition and I think as someone who's been writing songs for 30 years it's kept pushing us in all sorts of interesting directions towards classic Tim Pan Alley sort of songwriting tropes I suppose but you know with our own original spin but also these sort of strange absurdist quite unusual songs like is it even really a song songs and spoken word pieces and yeah all sorts of places like that so even though you know you'd see them sitting in my little suitcase that I take to gigs and go that's a bit weird to be wearing teeth when you perform and sometimes <laughs> I feel it myself but they've in a way they've been a key or a tool that's unlocked something rather unexpected that I wouldn't have thought you know back in that share house in the 90s. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And do you like a long answer to a short question? I do, I? because then I don't have to think of so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope it's of interest to your listeners anyway. Well, it is. Look, mm. everyone just talks about boring ukulele on this show. That It's always nice to get something a little different. No, and it's boring about the ukulele. <laughs> well, mm. you don't want to when they all, they all get the same answer, mm. I guess. Mm. But the persona thing is interesting too, mm. because I, one thing I've always noticed is a, a lot of performers tend to be introverts, myself included. Mm. And I think it's... Part of that whole persona, even though you're not doing the teeth and the fairs, mm. um, as soon as you walk out onto the stage, you kind of are a different person while mm. you're up there, but you've taken it a little bit further. 
It's an interesting proposition because there is a theorist, I think it's Philip Oslander, who said that what musicians perform is not music. What musicians perform is actually their musical persona. Yes. So that's a very interesting proposition when you think to yourself, oh no, I've spent all this time learning these three chords. That's music, that's what I'm performing. But it's you playing those three chords that what pe- that's what people are interested in. So um, I'm fascinated by that to the extent that sometimes I love watching people who feel as though they're not very good performing. You know, I'm interested in that sort of struggle and triumph that's involved in actually putting together being able to play and sing at the same time and talk to people in between songs. I'm interested in the mechanics of that as performance. So I don't know if that really answers. No, well, it wasn't even a question. It was more of an observation. So that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Because I think my mother has said to me, which is she sees me out on stage and then I'll go back and say I'm an introvert. And people say, no, you're not. Well, no, I totally am. Because that's, that's a different me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there is a sort of an irony there, isn't there? Isn't there that uh, there's a lot of performers who claim to be introverts and yet there they are being introverted in front of everybody yeah. quite comfortably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, yeah, and I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm a hugely extroverted person, but there are people close to me who would probably argue with that. Yeah, uh, I guess then you get the def- definition of what is an introvert and an extrovert, and that's probably for another podcast. Yes, I think so, <laughs> probably for some sort of psychological one. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting, and it's a, it's a lifelong learning as well too. It's not something that I sort of woke up one morning and just decided to do and knew how to do it. I had I keep on learning new things about um, performance every time I perform. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for the question, which is, um, how has ukulele changed your life? Gee, how has ukulele changed my life? Well, to a certain extent, I only really found it out when I had a, an injury to my left hand, to my left arm, and I couldn't play the ukulele for three or four months as I recuperated. And I realized that it was something I actually used in my everyday life to relax. Um, It's helped me as a songwriter. I really love writing songs. It's just my favorite thing to do because, you know, I've written plays and I've written books and this kind of thing. But give me an hour and you can make a bit of a dent in a song. Um, But with with a novel or something like that... um, or a play, you know, you can't do that much. No, that's a, a much longer term thing. <laughs> so in a way, writing little songs on a little instrument has, has taken me to places that I never, ever would have gone before. Um, so I think that's what's really special about the instrument. Um, it's been really lovely to have its voice in my life, its lovely voice, particularly now that I play the captain ukulele and it's actually got this thing called sustain which I never heard of until I oh, really played. Oh, sustain is a wonderful yeah. thing. <laughs> and, you know, as someone with no no real formal musical training it's been um, a wonderful uh, tool but it's also been more than a tool it's been a symbol in in my life both on stage and off stage so yeah um, and it's also a glue that, that brings people to, together as well too, as anyone who's attended a ukulele festival will know, or, or being in a band as well too. It's been a tool for collaboration as well too, which is something that's one of my favourite things to do, creative collaboration. Great answer. Hmm. Well, David, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk about the ukulele. Are you going to play another song? Oh, yes. Let's, uh, let's play another song. What, what song will it be? Um, it's going to be a mystery song. Um, because I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. But it, it's, It'll be great. Its mystery it will be revealed presently. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're welcome. And the mystery song which David chose is from Tyrone and Leslie's first album, Ukulele Heart. 
It's called Being Small and it's played, of course, by David and Samuel and also features Thomas Green. Sometimes being small is not too good at all When you run so fast you think you fly But then you hit a wall Sometimes being small is not too good at all When you're at the window watching raindrops fall And sometimes people say things And you don't know what they meant And you do not have the wherewithal Don't know where your withal went And you can catch a ball And eat your vegetables But nobody will teach you how to whistle Sometimes being small Is not too good at all When everyone's too busy To answer when you call Sometimes being small is not too good at all when you're hearing angry voices down the hall and you're feeling like a giant and you wanna scream and shout and you cannot find the words you need to work the whole thing out but sometimes being small ain't bad at all cause sometimes being small is not too bad at all When you're carried on the shoulders Of someone who is tall Sometimes being small Can be beautiful The night sky A lullaby And you and I Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and it was performed by me, Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums and Jim Croft. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned by David in today's podcast, there are links in the show notes, as well as a playlist with songs which relate to today's episode on the Ukulele is the New Black YouTube channel. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support me. You can go to Patreon to give me money. You can buy some merch at ukuleliesnewblack.com or just give the podcast a rating or a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or also have a look at Podchaser. Episodes are released every second Monday and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Yeah, it's the new black. Everybody's playing it. Okay, but you're not going to include my comments about cat litter, are you? <laughs> no. Okay. no, no, I've had, I've had one cat litter outtake. I don't need a second okay, one. <laughs>